0: When I'm working out, I love to listen to your podcast Whenever you say something, other people react to it Taking my breath away, Aaron Fern Lundquist joins me Hall of Famer, Jim Calhoun NASCAR icon, Dale Earnhardt Jr. Kirk Herbstreit is on the phone Welcome in to everybody, episode 5 we- yeah, is the podcast, it is Wednesday, October 5th, 2022. People, I hope everybody's doing well. I hope everybody is having a great day. I hope everybody is ready for what should be, you know, I think a, a, a fun, different kind of wide open Wednesday here on the Air Tour Sports Podcast. I think that's what the Wednesday show is going to be. You know, Monday, Tuesday, you kind of recap what has already happened. Uh, Thursday, Friday, you kind of look ahead to what will happen on the weekend. Well, I'll tell you, this Wednesday episode, we got a lot to talk about. It's kind of the time of the week where we can have a little bit of fun. Here's what we're going to do today. We're obviously going to start Tom Brady. It's the biggest story in sports. We're not going to make jokes. It's not funny, but we've talked a lot about Tom Brady this season. We got the reports on Tuesday that he and Giselle, it's not looking good uh, what does it mean for him, his career, obviously the family stuff too. It's not We're not going to make light of a, of a serious topic, but we'll talk a little bit about it. From there, we will get to college football, coaching carousel. It's fascinating to me. I believe that the number one candidate at both Nebraska and Wisconsin may be the same guy, Kansas head coach Lance Leipold. I tell you what you need to know about him. Fascinating background, why he has ties to Nebraska, why he has ties to Wisconsin. And what it means for his future and the futures of both Wisconsin and Nebraska. Finally, we wrap with a little bit of one of those Torres, you know, conspiracy theory stories. But I saw something interesting with Coach I I don't think he's coming back to coaching. But if he did, something struck me. He's been in touch with one school very loosely. And I do believe he's actually the perfect candidate for that school even if, again, it will not happen, I explain. That is how we wrap the show. By the way, if you ever want to send in any questions for the show, any ideas for the middle of the week especially, you can always g- uh, email me, Aaron Torres, podcast questions at gmail.com, Aaron Torres, podcast Questions at gmail.com. Before we get started with the bulk of today's show, a couple quick reminders. One, thank you to our presenting sponsors, Betfred Sportsbook and the Betfred app. I've told you through the last couple of weeks, nobody takes care of their customers quite like Betfred Sportsbook. They've been around since 1967 in the U.K., 1,600 shops. They have come to the U.S., and they are making a big splash, Uh, presenting sponsor of the Colorado Rockies, the Cincinnati Bengals, and the Denver Broncos. And so when I tell you that they are taking care of people, they are taking care of people, including listeners of the Aaron Torres podcast. If you live in the Denver area, shoot me a DM at Aaron underscore Torres on Twitter, Email me, Aaron Torres podcast questions at gmail.com. Bet Fred is giving away two VIP tailgate tickets to Thursday night's Denver Broncos game. Remember the Thursday night game, Colts-Broncos in Denver. Bet Fred is sending two listeners of the Aaron Torres pod to that game. Go ahead and make sure to hit me up. Two VIP tickets to the tailgate before the Broncos-Colts game. Hit me up. I'll get you in touch with Bet Fred. It's going to be Awesome. Also, I want to quickly thank Bracket Fanatics, the the sponsor of our NFL Pick'em Challenge. Uh, first of all, we will have our week four winner momentarily. But if you have not signed up yet, now's a great time to do it. Link is in the show description. Um, and what the deal is with with, with with Bracket Fanatics is as follows. We are doing $100 weekly winners, a $1,000 season long cash prize. So we've already had four weekly winners so far. We'll announce the week four winner on uh, Thursday's episode. If you have not made your picks yet, make sure to do so. But if you have not signed up, it's not too late. You sign up, you pick the games, you're automatically entered for that week's $100 cash prize, and you're entered for the season-long $1,000 cash prize as well. Go to BracketFanatics.com, join Bracket. The Bracket is Torres. Torres. Tell them Torres sent to you BracketFanatics.com. Join Bracket Taurus. With that said, let's get to the topic of the day. And so the topic of the day, look, you know, it's a little bit, it's not even a little bit, it's a very serious topic. Um, but one, we don't shy away from serious topics. And two, it's it's a conversation that we've had on this podcast probably the last four, five, six months. And it's a lot on the GOAT, the legend, number 12, TV 12, Tom Brady. And, you know, it was funny because I I thought about, do I even discuss this? What is there to say? But I do think it's worth mentioning because we talked about Tom Brady when he announced his retirement. We talked about Tom Brady when he unannounced his retirement. We talked about Tom Brady, by the way, when he signed a mega, whatever it was, $237 million contract with Fox. And we talked about Tom Brady uh, a few weeks ago when I said something is not right. I don't believe, I, I thought there was a chance he might not make it through this season. Well, by now, we all know uh, there's obviously been all sorts of problems kind of off the field with Tom Brady, um, which you've read about, you know, throughout the last couple of weeks. And we got reports from the New York, to- uh, New York Post, excuse me, that Tom Brady and Giselle, his wife, are officially filing for dis- divorce. And again, it's nothing funny. I'm not making light of it. Uh, I don't think it's something to, to joke about. And so this isn't going to be a fun, loose segment. But again, when I've talked about it for the past four or five months, that something's not right. I'd be remiss if I didn't talk about this final stage as it appears as though a divorce is coming. Here is the quote from the New York Post from an anonymous source. I never actually thought this argument would be the end of them, but it looks like it is. I don't think there will be any coming back now. They both have lawyers and are looking at what a split will entail, who goes, who gets what, and what the finances will be. And so again, if this was, you know, Somebody else, if this was, I don't know, Peyton Manning or Eli Manning or whatever, we probably wouldn't talk about it. But we spent so much time talking about Brady the last few weeks that I felt like we had to discuss it a little bit. And and, and I'll share some thoughts, you know, kind of from the football perspective, the non-football perspective. And what I would start by saying, again, it's serious. I don't like to delve into the personal lives of people. I don't like to play pop psychologist. So let me just start by saying I think what I, I would think most of you think, right, which is that this is really sad, man. And like, you know, I think there's this notion that, oh, Tom Brady's a millionaire. And he's won all these Super Bowls and he's got all this money and TB12 and he's never going to have to work again if he doesn't want to. Oh, by the way, he got that huge contract from Fox. Money is not an issue. His wife is a model. This is, who cares about his personal life. Well, I'm sorry. Divorce sucks. Doesn't matter if you have hundreds of millions or hundreds in the bank. Divorce is always going to suck, right? Uh, they've been married for a long time. They have three kids together. The kids are living in a different place than dad. Um, We can talk about money and power and, you know, whatever. What's the word I'm looking for? Privilege. It doesn't make it any less sad. But when I reflect on this, and again, I'm not trying to play pop psychologist. I'm just trying to have a real conversation with you guys and girls, my audience, which I try to do every single day on this show. Um, You know, I, I, I can't help but think that, as I've said for the last couple of weeks, something has not been right. And so I don't want to say like I'm I'm surprised by this or that I, I, I saw this coming or predicted it. I promise you Tom Brady's divorce will not be on Aaron right, Aaron wrong this week. Um, but like I said, it, it's just felt like something is off for a while. First of all, you just think about everything that has happened with Tom Brady over the last year. You could tell something's going on behind the scenes, right? Um, I talked about it a few weeks ago when we talked about Brady. This is a guy that for 20 plus years, all he has done is avoid controversy away from the field, on the field, off the field guy. All he does is it, it's football and family, football and family, football and family uh, doesn't drink during the season, watches every food intake that he eats. I uh, used to fly out his wide receivers uh, to his vacations to work out with them during downtime. And so I just bring it up because there's never been any controversy. There's never been any drama. Then thing about everything that has happened since February of last year. And we've talked about it, but it's worth reiterating. Um, You know, February, the reports start. He's going to retire. Officially announces his retirement. Then he announces that he's coming back on the day of selection Sunday, ruining, of course, a great day in college basketball, but announces that he's going to come back. And from there, you think it's over. From there, you think it's done. And it was really only just beginning. We get the reports about the Miami Dolphins about the fact that he was working covertly behind the scenes with the ownership there to get to Miami, to work with Sean Payton. The Bucs made sure to bring him back. Then we find out that he'll come back to the Bucs if Bruce Arians is gone. So you have that variable. Bruce Arians says he's going up to the front office to work in the front office. Meanwhile, he's on first take. He's hanging out on the sidelines the other day. Clearly he was forced out. Um, And then you have everything that happened the last few weeks. Tom Brady leaves camp. Nobody knows why Everything's vague. Nobody's talking about it. He comes back. He says, uh, "You know, I, I'm dealing. You know, I'm 45 years old. I'm dealing with a lot of, you know, what in my personal life." Um, and then even once the season started, it's been nothing but drama. Was supposed to get Wednesdays off to spend time with family. Then it gets to week two, and he decides to come back. And so there was something going on. And I think there's been a trickle down on the field first of all, the team isn't very good. And I know they've dealt with injuries. Fournette's been hurt and Julio Jones has been hurt and Chris Godwin's been hurt. But think about even on the field, all the drama, one, the product hasn't been very good. Um, you know, I know they're sitting at two and two right now, but it was, they were playing the saints. They had three points. First of all, week one Dak gets hurt. And I know the game was basically over at that point, but Dak gets hurt in week one, week two, they're tied with the saints going into fourth quarter, three to three. It's not like they're moving the ball. Um, you know, week three against the Packers, they they don't move the ball at all. And then week four, they are obviously many steps behind the the Kansas City Chiefs. And so I don't think this is one of those where, oh, it's Brady. He always starts slow. I just think there's real drama with that team. Now there are injuries, but even think about the drama on the field, the Brady throwing the iPad a few weeks ago, the Mike Evans fight where you can kind of see him verbally saying, it's Tom Brady. I got to protect him. It just feels like there's drama upon drama upon drama And I don't know if this makes it better. I don't know if it makes it worse. But I think what's indisputable is that it has been a weird, 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 weird season for the Bucs. Now, in terms of what's next, you know, on the field, off the field, I'll be interested. You know, first of all, with this season for the Bucs, now I do still believe that, like I said, I I don't think that this is a, you know, Tom Brady's just going to flip a switch and everything's going to be fine because he's Tom Brady and he always figures it out. He's got a lot of stuff going on in his personal life. But what I will say is, if there is a stretch for him to figure things out, it's right now, right? Next few games, this is the, the schedule for the next three weeks. Falcons, at Steelers, at Panthers. Those are three really bad teams. He's still got two games with the Falcons overall, two games with the Panthers overall, one more with New Orleans. So the wins are there to be had. Um, but listen, it's weird. It's crazy. It's crazy. It's sad. You know, I'm not going to do the whole he's married to football and he chose football over his family. I don't know all of the dynamics behind it. But my last thought, if he did, in theory, choose football over family, I do wonder, is this guy going to keep playing? Because what's interesting to me about the Brady stuff is, you know, going into the season, something that struck me was, and even during the season, I said it a few weeks ago, I said, I think this is the last run. I mean, just think about it. This was a guy that said very publicly for years, I want to play till I'm 45. All of you were saying I can't do it. I'm going to do everything I can to make sure that I play until I'm 45. Well, he got to 45, and I thought he was done after this year, especially after some of those comments that he made three or four weeks ago that we talked about. I've missed birthdays. I've missed funerals. I've missed weddings. I want to be, be there for my family. But now, if he's going through a divorce, what's the rush? His kids are in another town. He's not living with his family. What are you going to walk away from football for? To come home to an not even to come home to an empty house every day. You're just in an empty house, right? There's nothing to come home to if you're not working. Now I know he's got the deal with Fox and he's got the games and all this and all that. How much does broadcasting really take up? Even if you play, even if you're um, broadcasting on Sunday, you know you're, you're going to fly out on Saturday morning. You're there Saturday into Sunday, and then you're back home Sunday night into Monday. So to me, I almost wonder, does this make it more likely that he comes back next year? And I don't think it'll be with the Bucs. I think he's kind of napalmed the situation, right? It's almost like a LeBron James. He's come in, they won, and now the place is chaos. And I wonder if he gets out. We obviously know he had some ties to the Miami Dolphins. That would be an interesting thought as they go through the ownership transition group. Obviously, again, not making light of a serious situation. But what's the, the status of Tua? We don't know. So we'll discuss that. Um, could he go to San Francisco, right? Jimmy G, is he the long-term answer? I love Jimmy G, but it seems like nobody else does. Could Tom Brady go there? So I'm just saying, it's a sad day. It's not fun to talk about, but I'd be remiss if I didn't discuss it. It also does open up a can of worms. Does this mean that maybe, just maybe Tom Brady is back next year? I don't think it'd be with Tampa, but I do think it could be somewhere else. All right, this is what I want to do. I do want to take a quick break off a very serious topic, and I want to get to some fun college football stuff. Kansas is the story of college football right now. They're 5-0. They are getting college game day on campus this weekend. But their head coach has ties to the Nebraska program, has ties to the state of Wisconsin. And as Kansas wins more, is he now the hottest coaching candidate in college football? I think he might be. I'm going to tell you what you need to know about him, what you, where I think he ends up, and what it all means. And then we'll wrap, I think, a little bit of a fun topic on Coach O. I saw an interesting story on him. I don't think he's getting back into coaching, but it did strike me. If if he does get back, there's one job that you wouldn't think that is actually the perfect fit. I explain all that next. All right, everybody, I am back. Good to be back, good to be back. I want to switch gears, and I guess really I want to talk about the most interesting story in college football, but really it's a conversation about their coach, who is all of a sudden the most interesting man in college football, and that's Lance Leipold, and his team is the Kansas Jayhawks. Kansas is, I don't even think it's a debate, the most interesting team in college football bar none, okay? This is a program that had not won more than three games In one season, since 2009, okay? Think about everything that's happened since then. They were coached by Turner Gill. They were coached by Charlie Weiss. They were coached by Les Miles, David Beatty. Have not won more than three games since 2009. They are currently sitting at 5-0. They are ranked in the top 25. And they are welcoming in TCU for college game day this weekend. So Kansas is this incredible story. And really what it has done, though, is shed a light on their coach, Lance Leipold. Everyone's asking, how did this happen? What is going on? Who is this coach? And unfortunately for Kansas, while the the spotlight in a positive way is on the Kansas Jayhawks football team, the reality is Lance Leipold is now all of a sudden the hottest coaching candidate in all of college football. And so as we get set to really ramp up the coaching carousel stuff with five jobs currently open, what I want to do is talk a little bit about Lance Leipold, talk about the fact that realistically, He has real ties to the Nebraska program and the Wisconsin program, and you have to imagine is probably the top candidate at each. I want to tell you a little bit about him, and then I want to talk about his options. Does he go to Wisconsin? Does he go to Nebraska? Does he stay at Kansas? This is going to be a a story that's fascinating here over the next couple months. So first of all, if you don't know his background, I mean one of the more interesting, unique backgrounds in college football, If you're tired of every Nick Saban assistant coach just getting the head coaching job, this is the guy you want to root for, okay? This is a guy that started at the lowest levels of college football. And I say this all the time. I don't understand why more schools don't pursue coaches that have had success at lower levels because you'll know how to build a program. You know how to sustain it. You have it with fewer resources. That's who this guy is. I talk about it in college basketball all the time. Chris Beard, who's now the head coach of Texas – He won at the JUCO level. He won at the D2 level. He won at the low major level. So it wasn't a surprise when he got to the Big 12 at Texas Tech and now at Texas that he's winning. He's won everywhere he's went. And this Lance Leipold guy is basically the same way, okay? So about probably 15 years or so ago, he takes over a D3 program called Wisconsin Whitewater. Played there as a player, kind of spent most of his early part of his career uh, as an assistant coach, mostly at small schools, though not all. And we'll discuss that in a minute. Um, goes to Wisconsin-Whitewater. They had never won a national championship before him. Now, they had been good, but had never won a championship before him, have not won one since. He was there for eight years. How about this? He wins six D3 national championships as the head coach at Wisconsin-Whitewater. Unbelievable. Six national championships, eight years, Wisconsin-Whitewater, unbelievable story. They haven't won a title since. How about this? His final six years, they lose a total of three games, a total of three games over six years. So this guy's killing it at the D3 level. Then a young AD at Buffalo, his name is Danny White. If it sounds familiar, he's currently the Tennessee head coach, r- tries to figure out, okay, I'm at Buffalo. I'm in the Mac. How do I make a splash? Goes out and convinces this guy to come from the D3 level to D1 FBS, goes to Buffalo. Doesn't happen overnight, but by year four, Buffalo is a 10 win team. Buffalo wins 10 games. Next season they're good. COVID happens. I think they went about 6 and 1 during the COVID season. And then the break that he I don't know if he was waiting for a break, but how about this? Kansas ends up hiring him under the most unique circumstances ever. That's how he ends up at Kansas. So six titles at Wisconsin-Whitewater in you know by year 4 at Buffalo he wins 10 games and then the Kansas job kind of falls into his lap. Remember how this job opened Les Miles, there's some weird investigation dating back to his LSU days, uh, You know, some stuff that he did behind the scenes that was highly inappropriate. He gets fired, and this is the incredible part about Lance Leipold and the incredible part about this Kansas season. He gets fired, or at, it, it, Les Miles gets fired in mid to late April. Lance Leipold got hired April 30th of 2021. This, to me, is amazing, right? Because in this transfer portal where we live in, this, this, this new world, This guy comes to Kansas last year after spring practice, right? So all these schools are firing their coaches now to get them in place by December, Kansas, you know, Kansas comes off a disappointing year. They have less miles. They go through the recruiting period. They stick with him through spring practice. He gets fired after spring practice in the transfer portal world. Most of the best players leave. Lance Leipold comes in in April of 2021, the end of April. And guess what he does by the end of year one, we know what they did. They went to Texas and beat Texas, and now 5-0 and at Kansas. I think it's all but certain that at the very least they go to their first bowl game in basically forever. I think the bigger question at Kansas now is can you keep them, right? Because as I said, when you have success at a school where there hasn't been a ton of success, people come calling. And I think what's interesting is this. I, I would imagine that he's going to get a call from pretty much everywhere that has an opening right now. But he has real ties to two of the schools that are currently open. So first off, for people who do not know, he was an assistant coach at Nebraska in the early 2000s. To me, that's important. He's been on that campus. And more importantly, he was on that campus when they were having a ton of success. 2001, they played for a national championship. Doesn't really work out against Miami. You can go Google, see what Jonathan Vilma did to Eric Crouch. I've talked to Eric Crouch about it. So we're cool. But the point I'm trying to make is, but he was there when they were operating at their highest level. He also was an assistant coach at Nebraska Omaha, a D2 school that has since canceled its football program. By the way, you know who the AD at Nebraska Omaha was when he was there? Trev Alberts, the current Nebraska AD. So you talk about ties, Coach there, worked under the AD as an assistant coach at Nebraska Omaha. Wisconsin, what are the ties to Wisconsin? Oh, I don't know. He's from Wisconsin. He grew up 40 minutes from Madison, and he built a program in Wisconsin into a D3 power. Six national championships, eight years. He knows the area. He knows the high schools. He knows the high school coaches. He knows how to recruit. He knows how to build a winning team in Wisconsin. And so you look at both of those schools, and I very much believe that he is probably the top candidate at both, or at the very least, he should be. So in terms of the question of what he should do next, I'll just tell you my personal opinion. I will tell you, I've never really had a chance to spend time around him. I uh, don't know much about him. Uh, I, I mean, I, I don't want to say I don't know much about him. I don't know personally what drives him, but a couple of things stand out to me in terms of what I think could come down here over the next couple of months. First of all, the, it's worth noting he has ties to Wisconsin. He has ties to Nebraska. But I think it's worth noting, I don't think any of us are really sure that the Wisconsin job is actually going to really open. As I told you on Monday's show, I really think, I don't even think it's been discussed that the reason that they got rid of Paul Chris now, Wisconsin, this is, is because they really feel like Jim Leonard is a rising star in the coaching ranks. As I told you on Monday, this was a guy that the Green Bay Packers tried to hire as their defensive coordinator. He is a Wisconsin alum. Many people believe he will be a head coach soon. And so the bottom line is, I think Wisconsin is trying to put him in a place to see, is this guy head coach material? Is he worth somebody that's worth keeping around? Well, you look at the schedule that he inherits. First of all, they're a double-digit favorite against Northwestern this week, but they don't play a ranked team the rest of the way. And it's it's not impossible to think that he could go 5-2, and 6-1, and one, and the Wisconsin job never opens up. So that's worth considering there. Wisconsin's toughest game. They do have to play Minnesota, who isn't currently ranked, but we know that they're what four and one Uh, Iowa isn't currently ranked, but they're good. Nebraska is not currently ranked, but they're good. So I don't even know if the Wisconsin job is going to open up, which is important. Now, Nebraska, I'm just telling you, I don't know what motivates this guy. I don't know if he wants to coach at the highest level, the most money, craziest fan base. But if I had the choice between Wisconsin, Nebraska, and Kansas, Nebraska would be my choice. And I think there's a couple of things that are important here. One, and I can't reiterate it enough. He not only has ties to Nebraska, he coached there during really the last great glory era. And so I think that's important because there aren't very many of us left that won't even remember what it was like when Nebraska was awesome. But two, there's not many people that were on the ground that saw how the thing ran and saw how great that program can be. And so I think he knows the strengths of the program, the, you know, the resources that are behind the program, as we talked about on Tuesday's show. There is no resource that a head coach can need that you won't get at Nebraska. Assistant coaching pool, um, you know, uh, facilities, NIL is going to be a factor there. And I still believe in my heart of hearts, you can build a playoff contender at Nebraska in the 12 team playoff era. Now, the 14 playoff era, I don't know. But in a 12 team playoff era, can Nebraska be the third best team in the Big Ten and go to a playoff? If Iowa can do it, if Wisconsin can do it, two programs that would have been to a 12 team playoff over the last couple of years. There's no reason you can't do it in Nebraska. And so to me, if it's a choice between the two, I'd take Nebraska. I would also say, though, I think it's very interesting to see what happens with Kansas. And a few things on the Kansas front. One, I don't understand why hasn't Kansas put a contract in front of this guy like two weeks ago? Like like th- there should be the John Calipari lifetime contract in front of this guy as of about September 15th when this team was 3-0. and So I do wonder if somehow behind the scenes, they're working towards something. It is interesting. Lance Leipold said this week, you know, he he said all the right things. I don't plan on going anywhere. Me and my wife are happy here. But one, Kansas. I don't care if you're in the Big 12. I don't care if you're not going to have the money of the Big 10 and the SEC. Find the money. Go between some couch cushions. Check the ashtray. Uh, Check the glove compartment in your car. Figure out a way to get this man paid. You do not want to lose this guy. And so to me, uh, I'll be curious if, if if Kansas puts a contract in front of him, uh, in front of him, if they have not already, and then I'll take it even a step further. I do wonder when it comes to the Kansas element of things, if he feels like a debt of gratitude to Kansas because of the fact that they were the Power Five that took a chance on him. Right? This is a guy that's in his mid to late fifties right now. Wasn't his? I think he's fifty-eight now. Was in his mid to late fifties. Nobody, nobody took a chance on him. A lot of these jobs opened up. Nobody gave him a call. Nobody gave him the opportunity. And so I do wonder if he owes, feels like he owes a debt to Kansas. This guy, you know, again, took him until he was about 56, 57 to get to the power five level. I don't get a sense that he's in a rush to get anywhere. I mean, he was at Wisconsin Whitewater until he was probably in his late 40s, early 50s. And so to me, I wonder if he's loyal to Kansas. I wonder if he really wants to leave. But as the old saying goes, you got to strike while the iron's hot. And I can't even imagine what Wisconsin would offer. If that job does really open up, I mean, remember, they just paid Paul Christ $11 million to go away over like a two-month span. Nebraska, they paid an extra $7.5 million to get Scott Frost out three weeks earlier than they were planning. And so what's Lance Leipold's future? I don't know. If I was him and I wanted to leave, I would probably take Nebraska. But I also do wonder if he will be loyal to Kansas. All right, there is one other little uh, coaching carousel-ish piece of news that I do want, not even news, just just something I do want to get to to wrap the show. And before we get to it, I I, I do want to kind of put out the caveat that I do from time to time say on this show. This show is a lot of things. Okay, Um, I try to be honest. I try to be sincere. I try to be insightful. But sometimes something comes across my desk that is so interesting that it's worth discussing, even if it isn't really likely going to happen. And I think it's okay for sometimes on a Wednesday to have a little bit of fun at the end of the show. Um, But what I want to talk about now, it, it really goes to something that I've said quite a bit on this show. My job, yes, it is to talk sports, but it is to be entertaining, interesting, insightful. And so what I've told you many times is that really on this show, if you really break down this show, who we are, what we do, what we discuss, we really talk about four different things. We talk about what has happened. Alabama beat Arkansas. Here's why it's important. Here's what it means. We talk about what will happen. I think Alabama's going to beat Texas A&M because Texas A&M stinks. Let's talk about it a little bit. We talk about what could happen. This guy's reportedly going to the portal. Um, Lance Leipold, is he the favorite to get the Wisconsin job or the Nebraska job? And then finally, we talk about what should happen. Things that probably won't happen. But they're interesting enough, or there's just a little morsel of information that makes me kind of feel like this is something we should probably talk out, even if it isn't likely to happen. And this topic that we are about to discuss is exactly one of those things. And so, as you know, uh, five different head coaching jobs currently open here in the first week of October Insanity: Sanity. Uh, Arizona State is open. Wisconsin is open. Nebraska is open. Uh, Georgia Tech is open. And Colorado is open. And as we talked about on Tuesday's show, we ranked all the shows. And I, or we ranked all of the jobs, excuse me. And I told you that I thought that Colorado was probably the worst job available. And it's no disrespect and it's not to feel bad. But there's a lot of things working against Colorado. They don't have a ton of money. There's no natural recruiting base. Uh, from the money perspective, they're in the Pac-12 with no sign of help. Uh, they're going to be behind the eight ball financially going forward for a program that isn't making very much money as it is. And so there isn't a lot of of hope for Colorado right now. But on Tuesday afternoon, something came across my desk that was really interesting. And it made me go, hmm. And here is a tweet that I saw from a Colorado beat reporter covers the team. This is what he said. Colorado resumed practice where they had their first media availability on Tuesday after firing Carl Durrell on Sunday. A Colorado beat reporter named Brian Howell tweeted this. He said, former LSU head coach Ed Orgeron has called Colorado's interim defensive coordinator, Gerald Chapman, each of the last few days to see how things are going as he transitions into a new role. Chapman worked at at LSU last year and has a solid Coach O impersonation. And so when I saw that, it got me thinking, Hmm. I'm going to tell you this. I'm not saying Coach O to Colorado will happen. As a matter of fact, I'm almost certain that it will not. But I will say, I do think it's kind of interesting. I do think it's interesting that he is checking in on his former assistant two, three, four times over the past couple days. And what I would finally say is this. I don't think it will happen. But Coach O is actually kind of the perfect candidate for Colorado. Let me explain. Now, before we get to it, let me just explain why I don't think it's going to happen. Um, one, Coach O 61 years old. He obviously got fired last year right around this time at his dream job at LSU. He's from Louisiana. We all know the story. So, when you're 61 years old, you got fired from your dream job and they're paying you $17 million to go away, fully guaranteed. He doesn't, not only does he not have to coach again, he said very publicly, I don't want to coach again. I had my dream job. It was the best thing that could have ever happened. I led LSU to a national championship. I have no interest in getting back into this. Uh, his two sons are trying, or his, his. I think he might have three sons, but but a couple of his sons are trying to transition into coaching. He's helping them. He's obviously having fun with some of his buyout money. We saw him at the Texas A and M Miami game, and so it's clear that Coach O is living his best life, doing whatever. And uh, there's no real reason for him to get back in. But as I sat back and really thought about. It, and again, I, and to be clear, I just think that he's checking in on a buddy of his, a guy that worked for him last year, just to make sure that everything's going okay. But as I thought about it, I actually thought, you know, Cojo basically checks all of the boxes, uh, like all of the problems that LSU has. Coach o is actually a pretty good solution for him, right? So let's think about it. What, what is the problem with Colorado right now? They haven't been good in forever. As I told you, take out the COVID year where everybody got a bull invite. They have one bowl invite since 2007, which is insane to think about. So what are their problems? One, they have no natural recruiting base. Colorado doesn't produce a lot of players. Obviously, during their glory days in the early to mid-90s, late 80s to the mid-90s, whatever you want to call it, they recruited Southern California really hard, but they can't really recruit Texas. They're not in the Big 12. Southern California, everybody's recruiting Southern California. They can't get the players that they once did. Well, Coach O is not only known as a pretty dogged recruiter, where did he cut his teeth as maybe the most feared recruiter in all of college football? Oh, that's right, as an assistant at USC under Pete Carroll. And I know that times change, and I know that people change, and I know that high school coaches change. And I'm not saying if Coach O goes to Colorado that he would sign the number one class next year. The best players are still going to go to USC. The best players are still going to go to Ohio State. If Alabama calls, they're going to listen. But could he get the next year? Would he have a natural pipeline that pretty much no other coach that's a candidate would have? I kind of think he would. And I think he'd certainly have the respect of the high school coaches when he walked in. And he'd certainly have the name recognition with recruits when he walked in the building. Beyond that, what's the real issue with Colorado? Something I've talked about a lot on this show over the last couple episodes. They have no money. It's not a knock. It's just a reality. The Pac-12 brings in less revenue than anybody else. Uh, We don't know what the Pac-12's TV's contract is going to look like. We don't even know where Colorado is going to be playing in the next couple of years, as in theory, they could go to the Big 12. I looked it up. 2020 is the most recent kind of uh, filings in terms of finances. Colorado had the fourth lowest revenue in the Pac-12, behind only Oregon State, Washington State, and Cal that's not good when you're ninth out of 12 teams in the conference that makes the least amount of money, period. That's not good. Well, you think, Coach O, if he were to entertain taking any job, you think it'd be about the money? Because I don't think it would be. By the way, Carl Durrell, $1.2 million. He's owed 8.7. So you don't have money to spend anyway. You weren't paying very much for head coach, but you do have to pay a big buyout. Well, guess what? Kocho just got a $17 million buyout. This is not a guy that's going to get into it only for the money. And as a matter of fact, he's not, he's not going to demand or command a $5, $6, $7, $8 million contract a year. You can't afford it. He doesn't need it. Now everybody wants the most money they can get. But he's kind of one of the few guys with name recognition that you can actually get on the cheap. I would also say, on top of that, Keep in mind this as well, beyond the fact that um, he has no money. I think this is an important part as well. What's the other problem for Colorado? It's not only that you don't have the money to afford to hire a good coach. If he has success, you can't keep him. Look what happened with Mel Tucker. Mel Tucker comes in. He's not even that good in year one. And then Michigan State comes in and they say, here's a bunch of money. Here's a bunch of money for your assistant coaching pool. Mel Tucker says no once. And then they come back with even more money. And he says, you know what? I probably got to take that money. So why do I bring it up? You think Coach O at 61 years old is trying to climb the coaching ladder? Like I said, he already had his dream job. He actually already had his two dream jobs if you include USC for about eight, nine weeks in 2013. And so this is the one guy that you can hire that he's not looking to climb the ladder. He's not gonna use you to leverage you to get a better job. If you throw him a life raft and he actually wants to do it, and I'm not saying that he does, but if you do, you think that, guy, that guy's gonna be eternally grateful forever. And so you get to keep him forever. If you bring him in, if he has success, he's not looking to cash in and go back to the SEC. I think he's happy to retire in the mountains there and have a good time. And then finally, what I would say the name cache solves the final problem, which is that Colorado has no identity, no relevance. And most importantly, they're not selling tickets. You mean to tell me if you sign Coach O, if you hire Coach O tomorrow, that that guy couldn't immediately generate interest. I don't, listen, I don't claim to know everything about the Colorado fan base, but you mean to tell me that that guy wouldn't, you wouldn't sign up for tickets. If you were a Colorado fan living in Boulder and you gave up your tickets 15 years ago, cause the team stunk. Cause I'll tell you what I would sign up tomorrow. I might get season tickets fly out there just cause just saying. So it's something to consider. It's something to talk about. And I'm just telling you, I don't think it's going to happen. But, man, let's just talk it out. Checks all the boxes. He's going to recruit it at at as good of a level as you're going to have at at Colorado. Doesn't cost a lot of money to hire him. Doesn't cost a lot of money to keep him. Name recognition. High school players want to play for him. Coaches respect him at the high school level. I think this is an all-time no-brainer. I'm not saying it happens. But you have a direct line. If I was Rick George, the AD at Colorado, get Gerald Chapman on the phone right now. Pull him into your office and say – Give me Coach O's number. I want to talk to that guy. not saying he takes it. Try to convince him, though. I try to convince him. All right, I think that's it for this episode of the Airtour Sports Podcast. Before we get out of here, a couple quick reminders. One, if you're not subscribed to the podcast, make sure to do so. Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, Google Music, wherever you listen to podcasts. Make sure that you are subscribed to the Airtour Sports Podcast. Also, make sure to rate and review the show. Go ahead, give us a quick five stars. Let us know what you like, what you don't like, all that good stuff. Make sure you're following on social media, at Aaron underscore Torres on Twitter, at Aaron Torres Pod on Instagram, Aaron Torres Podcast Questions at gmail.com, Aaron Torres Podcast Questions at gmail.com. Thank you again to our presenting sponsors, Betfred Sportsbook. If you are in the Colorado area, whether you want Coach O or not, we have two VIP tickets to the Denver Broncos tailgate on Thursday. Hit me up. We can make it happen, courtesy of our friends at Betfred. And then finally, thank you again to Bracket Fanatics, uh, BracketFanatics.com. Join Bracket Torres, T-O-R-R-E-S. All right, I think that's all for today's show. It is time for me to get out of here. Shout out to Tor Craig. Shout out to Rachel, who hates my voice. Shout out to JJ Redick, UFED. Shout out to Coach Coach Cocho. Get to Colorado, man. Get to Colorado. Make us all happy. I will be back on Thursday, all new episode of the Air Tour Sports Podcast. We will start looking at what should be a really fun weekend in college football.